Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Tampa Bay Lightning keep on rolling, and we'll talk lightning on this edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome in. Tom Jones here. From the Tampa Bay Times on this episode, we talked to Joe Smith, Lightning beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk about Andre Vasilevsky, what the Lightning might do trade-wise over the next couple of months. We'll also look at a guy who isn't a star on the ice for the Lightning, but is making a big impact off the ice. We'll get to Joe in just a moment. We should point out that Florida State made it official. Willie Taggart named head football coach on Wednesday. Willie, of course, the former USF coach and Oregon. Uh, I'm still not sure this is the right hire. I have serious doubts. Feels like... Willie has risen a little too quickly for this job, but he's a heck of a recruiter, so maybe it'll all work out. But I, I think, um, I think in the in the end, it's going to be a bit of a stretch, a bit of a reach for Florida State. One little tidbit: negotiations took a little longer than expected. Apparently, there was a snag in the whole buyout of uh, of Willie Tucker out of Oregon, and at one point, we're told FSU told Willie, "Hey, we're prepared to move on and go after Charlie Strong, of course, the current USF coach." Now. That could all have been just a negotiating ploy, but there is reason to believe that Charlie was Florida State's plan B. So maybe at the end of all this, USF comes out the big winner by keeping Charlie strong and having a little stability to that program while everybody else seems to be in flux. Um, Anyway, Tampa Bay Lightning, crazy game Tuesday night against the Islanders. The Lightning came out on fire. They dominated the first period, took a 2-0 lead. Then they just stopped skating. They turned the puck over, got a little sloppy. Suddenly it was 2-2. Uh, and then they flipped the switch again, scored three goals in a couple of minutes near the end of the second period, and they go on to win 6-2. to two. A buddy of mine tweeted that he swears the Lightning gets bored in these games and lets teams back in just to toy with them and keep it interesting. Obviously, he's kidding, I think, but it is interesting to see how the Lightning can turn it on in an instant. Also interesting is how the Lightning can win games even when Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov aren't at their best. Neither was particularly good Tuesday night. Didn't matter. They still scored six goals and won easily. After Tuesday night's game, I sat down with Lightning beat writer Joe Smith from the Tampa Bay Times. Here's our conversation. Joe, we just got done watching the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the New York Islanders 6-2, to two, and it was a game where Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov really didn't do a whole lot. Now their record, Joe, what, 17-6-2? 19-6-2. That's right. What has impressed you most about this team, do you think, so far? Well, I think you, you speak to a little bit there is kind of the depth of this group. I mean, I think you mentioned in previous years that he had some secondary scoring, and on a night when Stamkos had a quiet night, Kucherov had two assists, was kind of a non-factor. Hedman had no points. Um, that they found out will score six goals against a very, very good Islanders team. And I think it's guys like the Yanni Gores who had a, who kind of keep putting on his cape there and, and rescued them in the second period with two goals. And the Chris Kunitzes, who I think will score big goals for this team down the stretch, and Nemestikov. They have the other guys to step up and find ways to win games that they weren't perfect. They were good for 45 minutes, but against a good team like that, you need to be good for more than that. So uh, I think that's what kind of impresses me. Probably impresses you about that too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! No, they have they have really deep scoring, and like I mentioned, Stamkos and Kucherov didn't do a whole lot in this game, and yet you know they get goals, like a pretty goal indeed from Chris Kunitz. Joe, they got off to such a quick start, and then they went into a little bit of a slump there, where they lost. What was it? Four of six? Four or six? Yeah. What was? 
that four of six streak, when you look back at it now, was it just a hiccup or were there reasons for concern in that streak? How, how do you sort of view that six or seven games they played there? Well, it was a little bit of a hiccup. I mean, you didn't think they were to go 15-2-2 and two stretch for the whole season. But uh, what I think was missing in that stretch was what got them to that huge start to begin with, which is the kind of the relentlessness, the determination, kind of like the outwork teams. They weren't just a skill. There was kind of a will there. And that was kind of – they lost their edge a little bit. And other teams came up there – and punch them in the mouth in the first period. They, had, they came off the lighting of the best team in the league. They want to go up there and measure up against them, and they couldn't match that until it was too late, and they kind of got the better as the game wore on, but it wasn't enough. So I think the whole goal coming back in this homestand was kind of get that edge back, get the motivation back, realize the process that got them to be the best team in the league. Right. And it wasn't just trying to outskate or outskill a team. It was kind of outworking them, which it did in the first period tonight. They did from maybe the second half of the game or maybe the third period. There's that 15-minute stretch where they lift their foot off the gas, and, that's, and the line of those show what most teams can do to them if they do that. Is there any concern, you look at this team, Joe, um, and there are moments where there are times in games where they don't play well. Is there a sign? Is there anything that you see when they're not playing well? Is it turning over the puck? Is it not winning face-offs? Like sort of when they're about to go into a, a bit of a funk, what is it about them that you – it really stands out to you. I think it's just puck management. Like most teams, when they turn the puck over and they get kind of cute in the in the neutral zone, and that's where they look. They look like a slow team. They're a fast team. They look slow when they turn the puck over. Have to chase and play defense the whole time. And I think you saw that on the road trip. You saw that against the Islanders the first game they played here at Emily Arena. They gave up a couple of turnovers in the first shift, and they were down one nothing. They're right, down three right. nothing. And so I think when you're looking for this team and, and when they're buzzing, they're moving. That they're they're getting the puck in deep. They're forechecking. They're have possession. And when they're not, they're they're turning the puck over. They're trying to be lazy. Not really lazy, but they're just kind of lethargic with it. Other teams are kind of taking it to them. So I think that's what when you look for them. Are they having a good night? Are they, if you see them the puck in their own end a lot, they're not going to be having a good night for them. It seems to me, Joe, that when you watch this team play, they're, um, they sort of have the, this other gear that they can get almost like – it's almost like flipping a switch. And when they don't play well, you look back at them and say, well, why, did, why, why didn't they play well? It almost feels like they get bored at times. I, I mean, are they so good that they just sort of lose focus at times? Or how, how do you explain like, – because I never get the sense that – if they had a game that mattered, that they would lose it. Like, it feels like they are so deep, they're so talented, they're so good right now that when they have these games where they have hiccups, it's almost because they really don't care. I mean, it's just, I know that's not the case, but it just feels like that. Well, I think, too, they set a really high bar for themselves in the first month of the season to where, I think, like Sam said, everybody expects us to be this way or win every game or, or click like this. And it doesn't happen that way. That's, that's why the league is so good. But uh, I think you're right. It may look that way where there might be like, well, they, they don't care. I don't think that's the right, the right way to say it. But I right. think they, they just like, they, it came so easy to them at a lot of times where they kind of thought that it's just going to come to them no matter what. And they, they forget kind of the process of how they, how they got there. So, but I don't think they never feel like they're out of a game. Like they, right. Even like the Islanders game, they almost won that game. They're down 4 nothing in the third period. Uh, and I think it all starts and ends with number 88 yeah. in that because anytime you have a goalie, you have a chance. Like you have a quarterback in football, you have a chance. And I think the fact that he's there, even tonight uh, or Tuesday night, they were they were floundering the first half, second period. Islanders were pushing it, and they almost took the lead for good. Uh, but he kept them, made those key saves, making it a tie game, and all of a sudden the Lightning find a way to win. Joe, we've talked about this a few times before. How much of a concern is that Andre Vasilevsky has now played 23 
I think of their 27 games, something like that. Uh, is there a concern about blowing him out and burning him out? Uh, Peter Budai, do you trust him? Do you think they trust him if they get into a game where he has to play? Because, you know, Budai's been – he hasn't been great, but I don't blame him for that because he, he hardly ever plays. I mean, at the pace he's going on, he's going to play like 70 games. Are there is there any concern about Vasilevsky – being overused at this point? Um, not yet. I mean, I, I am honestly a little bit surprised that he's played this many games so far. Just talking to coaches before the season, they were like, oh, we signed Budai for a two-year deal for a reason. He's a professional backup. He's been a backup his whole career. Maybe get him 20, 25 stars, playing once every four games, and, and that's how you get backups going. But they wanted to give Vasilevsky a lion's share of the load at the beginning of the season to kind of show him, hey, this is your net. You're in charge. You're the guy. You don't have to worry about back and forth all the time. Right. But now you're getting to the point where, like you said, they start 24, 28 games, 23, 27 games, uh, I think you'll really start to get maybe more concerned as maybe game 50 or game 60, knowing there might be a playoff run ahead of you. And right. it's more of a mental than a physical thing. These guys in tremendous shape. Uh, and they've had a pretty good, fortunate schedule where they haven't had a lot of four games and seven nights where he's played three of, you know, three of them. Uh, they have a couple days off before. They have a day off tomorrow. Then they'll play. I'm sure Buda will play Thursday against Colorado, and then Fancy will play Saturday against Winnipeg. So I don't think there's a much of a concern at this point, but I think something that they need to monitor and kind of be – because they, they have a, a cushion right now. They can start Buda a game and, and be okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's right. a pretty capable backup as it is, but you don't, sure. I like they're, they're, they're fighting to make the playoffs, and they need to win every single game. Like I think they, would, they need to get Buda in there at some point because they're going to need him at some point down the stretch. Joe, you and I talked about this on your Lightning Strikes podcast about what moves they might potentially make. Do they need to make any moves? Before the end, let's let's assume that the roster play stays pretty much the same. Everybody stays pretty much healthy the rest of the year. Is there an area that they need to address? Do they still need to pick up another forward? Do they need another defenseman? If you're Steve Eisman, uh, what are you what are you looking for these days? Well, I mean, I, th- I think people are going to point to wanting another top nine guy uh, because you always want another score down the stretch to help you out. But with the way they've been scoring right now, I mean, Kunis has got goal out tonight. Gord had two tonight. Uh, Nemestikov scored, uh, Schuster scored, you know, like they had their defense has been another another forward in that wave of attack. So I think if they stay healthy, especially on the blue line, um, there's not a huge hole here to fill unless somebody comes at a bargain at the at the deadline. Because who do you want to give up at this point? Um, I think overall it's interesting to see two guys, Corey Conacher, who they, yeah. might look, they might look internally for that option for that top band winger. If he could fit well in that third line and he fit well tonight in the last couple of games, like, you don't need to give up anything to get somebody. You could put him or a Matt Pekka in there. Right. Those glue guys, you, you don't need another Sam Kos or Kucherov. You need another guy in that third, fourth line to make sure you can be competitive down the line. I'm looking at this lineup, Joe. Braden Point now with 10 goals. Uh, Yanni Gord with 8 goals. Nemestikov with 11 goals. Uh, are you at all surprised? It's just, I mean, we knew Braden Point was a nice player. We knew Yanni Gord was a nice player. Certainly we knew Nemestikov was a good player. These guys are on pace, Joe. I mean, they... It's, in, it's not inconceivable. They can get 25, 30 goals, maybe one or two of those guys. Are you at all surprised at how good these, these young players are? I, I'm not really surprised. I think this, it may be surprising they're all happening at once. I mean, Nemestikov's a former first-shot pick, and he's a guy who's capable of doing it. He played in the hottest line in hockey with Sam Goose and Kucherov. That helps out a bit. Braden Point's a guy who, you know, he's a downing score in juniors. Last year was his first year in, the, in pro hockey, and he, he got 15, 16 goals last year. I think 25 goals is in his potential every year. Uh, if he plays in the top six, um, you know, and I think you know Gord is a guy who's undrafted, undersized, but he's one of those pluggers that you know never his motor never stops, and he can get those goals like tonight around the net. So I think the fact that they're all scoring and they're, I don't think if they all score twenty five, I'd be really surprised. <laughs> yeah, right. If one or two of the guys maybe get twenty range, I think they'd be really happy. John Cooper, interesting coach 
Joe, you've known him since he's been here at the start. Um, you know, they went to the Stanley Cup final in his first full season, right, with mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, well, or no, they went to the playoffs. They went to the playoffs. And that's the year they lost when Bishop got hurt, right? Yeah, well, I think he took over end of the year before that. Right. And they missed the playoffs, I believe. Yeah, that and year. And in his first full season. They made the playoffs. They made the by playoffs. Montreal. Right. And in the second season, they, they go to Stanley Cup finals. Then last year, of course, or two years ago, Eastern Conference final. Then last year, they missed the playoffs. He's come back this year. How good a coaching job do you think John Cooper has done with this team? I know they're loaded with talent, but he seems to be pushing the right buttons at the right time and, and still seems to motivate this team, even in a league where when a coach has been with a team for three or four years, sometimes the message gets old, you know? I think it, I think you're right. I think the a key for me just watching him was the second half of last season. They were already in the day. They were the last in the Eastern Conference on February 5th. Easily could have went in the tank. They easily could have said, okay, this was just a loss here. We lost Stamkos. He lost Callahan. The guys could have just laid it down. But the guys didn't. I mean, a large part of that because the Syracuse guys came up and were motivated and brought some needed energy into kind of a stale team and left them there. But they didn't back down then. And I think from day one in training camp, you watch this team. Uh, Cooper came in there with a the message, like, it's game on from, from right now. From, right. And they had probably the toughest training camp that Stamkos or Hebbins ever been around in their 10 years, the Lightning. And I think that mm-hmm. speaks to him and the coaching staff of kind of saying, okay, Everybody knows they're motivated, but it's important time to put the work in to get to where we want to be. And so um, time will tell whether his coaching job does the, the best when they go to the Stanley Cup Finals this year, potentially. Right. But I think the fact that this was a humbling summer for him, humbling summer for everybody else in his organization, so I think it says a lot about him and the whole team that they're able to kind of realize that they need each other to get through this whole situation. Well, and I'm also impressed with the job Steve Eiserman's done, mm-hmm. for that matter. I mean, he, he, he didn't make massive changes. Obviously, he went out and re-signed some guys when he, that he needed to. But when you look back at the job that Eiserman's done, Joe, he decided to, to go to Vasilevsky. That was going to be his number one goalie. He's given chances to guys like Point and, you know, Nemestikov. He, he sort of navigated the expansion drafts, though he didn't lose a guy that, that they couldn't afford to lose. They end up losing Jason Garrison, which I yeah. think, no, obviously, they could live with that. Um, I thought I think Steve Eiserman deserves a lot of credit in all this, too, right? True, and look at Zirkachev, too. He could yeah, be a rookie year candidate. Yeah. You know, like he, he knew that he couldn't sign all three forwards, so he got he has used his best trade ship and got the best possible return forward in Zirkachev, who could be he's in the top four, and he's you know, scoring, what does he have, like 16 points right now so far yeah. in the first 27 games. So you look at him, you look at he got some flack. 18, 18 points. 18 actually, points. Yeah. You have the, he had another assist tonight. So you have Girardi signing people kind of give him flack for like, right. this guy can't play anymore in the league. All of a sudden, he's a, a steady guy at the back pairing and the right role, he could play really well. Kunis is, everybody wanted Justin Williams instead on, on forward. They didn't get him. All of a sudden, they got Chris Kunis, who on a one-year, $2 million deal was a pretty good bargain for a guy who not only can score like he did tonight, but he's a four-time cup winner. Our team doesn't have any cup winners. So I think right. those kind of things are going to be invaluable. And, and you know, speak to, you know, it speaks to his experience as executive and also as a player of having won those cups. That what he, he knows what it takes to have winning guys around his team to get to that final level. A couple of things I want to mention, Joe, before I let you go. One was uh, the All-Star game. We're a little over a month away or so from the All-Star game here in Tampa. Um, what what all, we talked about this also on your podcast. Uh, what All Stars might the, the Lightning have uh, on this uh, on this year's All Star game? I think they'll have at least three. I think Kucherov is a no brainer. I think Stamkos only leaders in points. Plus the fact that what a big name he is. I think and what he came back from is going to be there. But I think Vasilevsky is going to be the one kind of guy who's a slam dunk for me. If you pick yeah. all three of those guys, I think Kucherov is going to be there. But uh, the Lightning isn't at this point without Vasilevsky, and he much deserving of his first All Star appearance in Tampa. So. 
Um, you know, Hedman might get there. He's not having his best overall season. He'd be the first to admit that. But um, he's obviously has the, the name recognition and the ability to do that at a three on three. But I think overall, you're going to at least see uh, Kucherov, Stamkos, and, and Vasilevsky. The other thing I wanted to mention, Joe, you had a chance to, a really cool story that you had in Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. You had a chance to go out to Seminole Heights the other night with uh, Stephen Stamkos and, and uh, Victor Hedman and JT Brown. Just what was that experience like and, and what they were able to do for that community? It was pretty awesome. I mean, like, I've been out there a few times. I'm sure you've been out there before. Never in the last two months, of course, when they had right. the tragedy of the four murders of serial killer and, and people are living in fear and all the businesses got hurt down 50% in, in business, business and, and revenue over the course of the people that we wanted to come out. So it was amazing to see the lines, like the hundreds of people that showed up at these places just to wait to see even the Stamkos and the, and the Headbins and Browns and just the smiles are kind of back to normalcy again after a town that's been been hit hard with a lot of strife the last couple of months. And so I think it's just to see everybody, like little kids in the Lightning jerseys and the kids that were only became lightning or we became hockey players because they lightning people lightning people came in and brought their sticks to their schools a couple of years back right. um, to get there at that chance. So I think what these team and other rays and Bucks do a lot of stuff in the community as well. But sure. what the lightning does, I think overall um, out there in the community, one hour of their time can make it make a, a kid's life at that particular point. Yeah. You know, so I think it says a lot about them and the, the big names too. It wasn't just JT Brown. It was Steven Stamkos and having the faces of your franchise going out there and putting a little bit of effort in. And I really respect what JT Brown has been able to do here. You know, he had the silent protest to start the season, um, and a lot of people criticize him for that. And look, this is a guy who's a fringe player, Joe. Uh, not anybody else around the league was doing this sort of thing. And, um, and, and not only did he sort of stand up for what he believed in, but he put his money where his mouth is. He's, he's gone out. He's, he's met with the police. He's going out to Seminole Heights. This guy, you know this. He's a special guy, isn't he, J.T. Brown? He is. He's, he's a very thoughtful guy. He doesn't do things on the whim. Like, he, he thought out that whole town protest, uh, talked to military members, talked to family, talked to his dad, who's a former NFL player, uh, and he knew he takes a heat for it. He got some death threats online about it. Um, he knew there takes some heat, but... He's, it takes some guts for one of 30 black players in the NHL, only one guy on this team, to stand alone on the bench. How could the NFL have eight guys in their same right. sidelines kneeling together? This is one guy, uh, and the guy, as you said, his, his spot in the league is tenuous to go out there and do it. But I think, as you mentioned, just uh, walking the walk and, and, and going out there and, and, and trying to learn on his own, trying to get different perspectives, not just trying to speak on a pedestal and say, I think the police brutality is bad or this is this. He went out there to learn a ride-along at midnight after a game. Yeah, he went out there wow. did it. Um, you know, he went out there a couple of times actually, and then does a little things, other things behind the, the scenes that aren't probably publicized in, in the media. So give him credit, and obviously uh, something that can, he can do a lot more impact, I think, off the ice than on the ice in his future. I have a feeling you and I are going to be doing this a lot, Joe. I think this team's going to go pretty deep into the playoffs, and uh, also be sure to check out Joe's podcast, the Lightning Strikes podcast, where you find your podcast, Google Play, iTunes, all that stuff. And, of course, on TampaBay.com. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Tampa Bay Lightning return to action Thursday night against the Colorado Avalanche. Thanks again to Joe Smith. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also check us out on Twitter. The podcast Twitter handle is at RickTomPodcast. You can reach Rick Stroud at NFL Stroud. You can reach me at Tom W. Jones. Thanks to our producer, Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. Next time we talk to you, it'll be a football Friday. Get you ready for the Bucks this weekend against the Detroit Lions. Talk to you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.